Hi, everybody. I'm George, and welcome to the second episode of Plutember 2022. Last week, the spirit of JP, my co-additional host of We Heard About Pluto, haunted me, and in between clanking chains and booze, we found some time to talk about the Lost Boys. This week, the spirit of We Heard About Pluto's host prime, Riggs, is foretold to visit before they team up next week with both Spectres talking about a movie that I choose for once. So welcome, Riggs. Come in and know me better, man. Wow. Thank you, George. I'm, I'm being welcome to the little whorehouse. Pri- what, host Prime? Host Prime. Host Prime? I, I do like that. It felt good. It felt it good saying it. I, I was like, damn. I've never felt like I wanted to be the main host until suddenly the title was Host Prime. Host Prime. I know. That's <laughs> it. Just, it sounds cool each time I say it. Thank you for, for having me back here. Yes, happy to do it. Happy to get another uh, exciting Plutember in the books here. Plutember, best time of the year. Best time of the year. Everybody's saying it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying it. I mean, we have already heard about your history with horror, so we can just jump right in. If people don't know it, they can check out the episode from last year about Ernest Scared Stupid. Great up. Great up. But we've discovered a new best horror movie ever made <laughs> in between now and then. And uh, the movie we're talking about today is James Wan's Malignant. From 2021, the movie originates with James's wife, Ingrid Bisou, and her interest in medical oddities, like the urban legend of Edward Mordrake, which has a distinct and direct influence on this. The guy had, supposedly mm-hmm. had, a head on the back, or a face on the back of his head. Doesn't get yeah. much more direct than that. That uh, it, do- it really doesn't. I read a little bit about that at the uh, after I watched this, because, uh, oh man, that would be, I just wanted that to be true. So, so, so much. How cool would that be? I mean, except the end, because I think, like, the the legend is, like, he killed himself. Yeah, he was like, oh, this is too much. It's it's so fucked up. I'm 23 (laughs) years old. I can't handle it anymore. He was, like, this heir to, to like, some sort of English something. I don't know. Aristocracy. Yeah, something like that. That was a direct influence on this. James said, quote, we were looking for a project to collaborate on together, and she's very much into medical anomalies, and she finds that world very fascinating. When she brought me this idea of a potential evil twin slash a teratoma that is alive, I was like, oh my goodness, this could be interesting. This could be something that I can sink my teeth into and turn it into an original story that I've never done before. That's where the story began. And he talks about how he did want to go back and make like a schlocky horror film, like the ones that he grew up going direct to video, mm-hmm. saying that this movie isn't just a genre bender, but a genre blender. I mm. think that's a great description of it. Yeah, it, it it really is too, because there's so much going on. Like, and that's what that's one thing that really appealed to me, because there's got like there's some just in the horror genre alone, you've got some like psychological stuff going. You know, like, like there's some dream stuff going on too with her. You don't know if it's if it's real or imaginary. But then yeah. there's a heavy gore aspect as well, which I which I also enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just like a, a gothic atmosphere as well, just kind of mm-hmm. hanging around. It really is a whole bunch of stuff. He compared his intention to Saw, his original movie Saw, which was really Lee Winnell and I making a film, pulling in all the different loves and inspirations we've had from other movies into one film. And with Malignant, I wanted to aesthetically sort of pay homage to all the other films I grew up loving. I've referenced the sort of 70s and 80s giallo films from Italy, like Dario Argento's films. And of course, I mean, the other big obvious influence is Cronenberg, so body horror. 
I've never made a body horror movie before. And when we were working on Swamp Thing, I had so much fun working on that, designing the look of Swamp Thing and playing with all the different body horror that it pushed me, I think, unknowingly it pushed me into wanting to direct a movie like that myself. And the body horror in this is great. It's real, like, goopy looking, mm-hmm. lots of, like, flesh stuff where you're like, oh, I want to look away, but I can't. Well, just from the opening credits, like the uh, over the opening credits, there's just the you know the the surgery, intense yeah. surgery stuff going. So <laughs> it really sets it, the whole the, it's, the tone is really set from like the first ten minutes of what this is what what is going to happen here from the absolutely the, the death of the husband and everything. Like, there's there's a lot going on right away. Yeah. And it was funny because someone asked Ingrid about this as well and was like, hey, every few months, the horror community fights about what Giallo means. So what does it mean to you that Malignant is a Giallo film? Which I think is a pretty good question. As you'll recall from our Suspiria remake last year, uh, we discussed that same annoying pedantry where people get real finicky about what exactly is or is not a Giallo film. And so she said, for me, it's in the eyes, it's in the colors, it's in the reaction. I'm thinking Dario Argento here, particularly the tension, the suspense, and there's moments of campiness. There's the eyes and the screams and everything that we were inspired by to put in this movie. The leather, there's just so much. I can't comprise it into one thing. There's just so much of the giallo genre that inspired us. Mood, but also the costumes, the leather gloves and all that. For us, that was inspired by the giallo eyes. It's a lot. Obviously, that's all James's vision at the end of the day. And I think that it's nice to sort of cherry pick the pieces that they like from that genre, but not feel entirely beholden to it. It doesn't have to hit every single note of like what is in a Giallo movie. Like they don't treat it like a checklist. You know, they just take the things that influence them that they like. The things that they like the most. And that's what I feel like is going to make a better movie overall yeah visually and then then you said it's about the eyes and like the shit like some of the like that's one of my favorite parts about this movie is just like how it looks at times Mm -hmm. the see the like the the dream sequences and everything it's cool definitely cool our star is annabelle wallace as madison mitchell has to really shoulder a lot of this movie and thread the needle obviously we'll talk about gabriel in a second but Mm -hmm. annabelle has to be emotionally believable and provide the melodramatic grounding that allows the campy wild stuff to sing. You need that foothold to to hang on to. Totally. And she you just feel for her from like uh, nothing is is going right for her. She just seems like she has a very really sad life. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you have George Young and Michelle Brianna White, or excuse me, Michelle Brianna White as the detectives, and Maddie Hassan as Madison's sister Sydney. But they really orbit the character of Maddie in a way where that's the crucial one. Mm-hmm. And the sister, we, we should mention this. I don't know if I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but she does mention at some point she plays. <laughs> okay, a, hold on. Yeah, I figured right. out this is your your plan all along. This is the real reason you chose this is because she's Hi, a Sean Spencer. She's a Sean Spencer. She mentioned that <laughs> she plays a psychic cop in a show. I mean, I, I wrote that down with several exclamation points. It right. all became crystal clear to me. Crystal Reeks. clear why I chose this movie. <laughs> the perfect tie-in. So Malignant was really interesting because on release, there was a lot of people who took it very seriously and they didn't like it for that reason. But the tone of this movie is very goofy, and Mm -hmm. deliberately so. Right. 
James commented on that tone in creating it. This is a little bit of a longer quote, so bear with me. But he said, put it this way. I knew that I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to do something like this very often in my career. And so here I get one or two chances. I don't want to mess it up, if you will. I don't want to get this opportunity and not take advantage of it. One of the things that I knew going into this is I was aware of people's perception of me and the movies that I've made. And so I wanted to take that perception and turn it on its head. I wanted to start a movie out that goes, oh, people go, oh, it's James doing another one of his ghostly supernatural movies. But then halfway through that, I pull the rug out from underneath them. And so it was a lot of me just having fun with the movie, but also having fun with what I think people know of me. And the trickiest part was we shot a lot of stuff that was written in there. But in editing, you start to question yourself. Like, am I giving too much of the concept away? Am I kind of laying the breadcrumbs a bit too thick here that would destroy the reveal at the end, if you will? And so it was a fine line. And that editing process was all done during the pandemic. We had to do it remotely. It was really difficult. But then we got into the groove of things and ultimately allowed me some distance away from the film and then to come back to it and look at it, then reassess the film and kind of tweak some things. And I think that. Well, so first of all, the reveal that he's talking about concerns Gabriel, who right. made quite quite a splash on screen, uh, perhaps the biggest original horror icon since the Babadook. But part of what makes him so interesting to me is that ambiguity that the movie plays with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so what he's talking about there in terms of sort of sweeping away some of the breadcrumbs. That's what I like about it. I like that it feels like a sudden drop into this guy taking over the bodies and 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 using her as like a combat vehicle, basically. Right. They um, joined at the brain. Yeah. And and so it's interesting that those threads were there to start with, and it took them having that that time away from it to um to be like, well, maybe we don't need it. Maybe it is better if you just kind of have to go along for the ride. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad the movie came out the way it did. And like the for the people, I, I don't understand. You know, you mentioned earlier the the people that were upset about it because they took it too seriously or they they expected too much out of it. I don't. I, I guess I just don't. It works so well for me where I just I can't put myself in that mind. I mean, the guy made Saw too, mm-hmm. the first Saw. Yeah, that's about some old guy like you know working a, a doll, to put people through a game. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's just not like. Which is great. I love Saw. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just like it's that's that's kind of fun and wacky and also scary at times. Which is this kind of checks those boxes too. So yeah, it's it's tongue in cheek, but playing it completely straight. Right. Exactly. Yes, that's a way more eloquent way of saying it. And yeah, it uh, the, the reveal worked for me. That that's one of the things I thought wasn't going to work watching this again this was my second time watching it and i'm like i already kind of know i know the big reveal but seeing all the clues laid throughout uh like kind of building up to it now that i notice on second yeah. watch definitely paid off in a way yeah. that i wasn't expecting yeah absolutely you know there are some movies where it's so dependent on the twist mm-hmm. that it, it ruins it going back to it but there's enough other stuff going on in this totally. movie that that it totally works for me as well yeah, and I think like in my because I watched this a year ago, like r- right when it came out, and in my memory, like the, I only really remembered the big twist, and I didn't remember any of the other stuff that happened, and all the other stuff is great. So yeah, yeah, great. It, 
it was nice to really, yeah, not be wondering where it was all going. You mm-hmm. have a little more time to just absorb the rest of the movie. Yeah. How creepy it really is at times. Yeah. James said, Gabriel is a bit of an enigma character in Madison's life. I wanted to create a character who you're not quite sure if he or she is necessarily real, like a real person. Is it an imaginary friend? Is it a ghost? Or is it the devil? I had to find a way to hide its form. A lot of that stemmed from an idea of trying to hide its form and what it is. And it was a challenge to work out how to create something with a strong presence, but yet you can't really see it most of the time. And a lot of the time, he's just described in the script as a silhouette, a shape, Mm -hmm. a shadow. When it comes time to shoot it, you don't know quite what that represents. And so that's why they needed Marina Mazepa to bring Gabriel to life. She is a contortionist who plays Gabriel in the movie, and she is just outrageous. Wow. Um, all of the physical practicality that is put into Gabriel, you know, James said that they thought that they were going to have to shoot a lot of the movie in reverse and then play it back in reverse. Whoa. But what was amazing about Marina, this is now a quote, is just how quick of a study she is. And as sort of a physical body performer slash dancer that she was able to learn the choreography and she literally did all the fighting backwards blindly. It was insane to sort of watch how that was all choreographed. That huge fight in the holding cell was all done by Marina. There was no sort of trickery, if you will. We didn't cheat in any way. She did that all backwards. So it was a combination of what she did there and what prosthetic makeup did as well. We applied a prosthetic life cast of Annabelle's face, and she'll wear it on her actual face. Then on the back, she'll be wearing an animatronic head of Gabriel. So a combination of that with the amazing special effects team that I had on this film, uh, with ILM helping to pull it all together to bring Gabriel to life, it was quite the experience. I really wanted to create a villain that we hadn't quite seen before, and it took a lot of work to get it to this level. And it totally pays off. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only... Just because, like, you're like, oh, it's it's nice to have, like, a, a new distinct character, but the fact that they were able to do it practical, like, there's a, a weird jerkiness, a weird jerkiness to her movement. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is disconcerting. And I don't know. I mean, like, if you were just doing it on computers, you might not notice that. You might just make it too smooth. Right. And too perfect. This, exactly. It's very disconcerting in this way. Oh, it's so unsettling. And like just watching her bones and everything like that Ugh. move around. And like to, that that shit is wild that you just said. I had no idea that that was a played by an actual like I just assumed it was all like CGI or, or something. But right. the the fact that it was practical effects is absolutely wild. Yeah, it's it one really of the is. Creepiest parts of the, the movie too. just watching that the, the, her move around. Like that backwards with the, the and the 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 way she like gets her shoulders and arms in play. Oh, it's just yeah. like very the, effective sound design as well. Oh yeah, it, it's super creepy. And the face on the back of the head, like or just the <laughs> head yeah, backwards so moving. Funny. So so good. So, so good. I mentioned a few of the influences earlier, but there are a few others that I wanted to mention in this preamble here. First is Brian De Palma's Sisters. Uh, it's an amazing movie with Margot Kidder. It's a nice blend of Rear Window and Psycho and also has to do with these sort of uh, uh, conjoined twins and and how one of them is evil and the other is being driven mad by being attached to them. So they're separated. Really, really great movie. 
I know I already mentioned this to you, Reeks, but I am now recommending it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's the, on the list. The, the, the famed list. The famed Reeks list. <laughs> the second is Basket Case, which also features previously conjoined twins, one who is a little blob fella hunting down to the doctors who separated them. So easy to see how that's a pretty direct influence mm-hmm. on this as well. And the final influence to discuss up top is the psychic connection to the killer subgenre. Uh, stuff like the excellent Carpenter penned Eyes of Laura Mars. James mentioned loving that trope before it got overused, but then now it had been dormant for a while, and he was like, oh, it would be cool to use that. Just another interesting story buoyed by the built-in suspense of disbelief that comes with horror movies using monsters. You know, he mentions that playing in a genre that has a sandbox, if you will, that allows people to kind of know what they're coming into already helps a lot. And it does, it frees me up to then cook up a strange and interesting world Mm -hmm. for people to sort of inhabit this space. That's part of my love for the horror sci-fi genre is you can kind of come up with a really out there story and people are more willing to accept it. You know, that's a big reason. That's a big part of why I love making these films. And I think that that makes so much sense to me like you you're like okay i'm going to see a movie about something that is already out of the realm of possibility whether it's ghosts or monsters or whatever and so if you're like oh there's also a psychic connection to the killer like okay right yeah. why not sure. why not <laughs> yeah i can make that leap like i'm putting myself in that world yeah yeah that's one of the more that's that's one of the best parts about going to the movies too. Is just is just to put yourself in in one of those worlds. Like then I, horror does that in in a, in a much better way than I think a lot of other other genres do. And you know I'm I'm more of a a horror novice, so I, I haven't seen any of those other uh, other films that were direct influences here. But um, the concept of like this the the the, the parasitic twin. Something I, it's something I've never seen like in film or TV before. Again, I haven't seen it enough, but it it is it's it, it's super it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre enough where it's like it's new and creepy enough. Yeah, it, it just um it really it worked for me. It kept me engaged because I didn't you didn't you don't know throughout like is it something that she's imagining? Is it someone that's real? That guessing game throughout too. Like as like someone that is not as versed in the genre really yeah oh i mean none of those movies are like hugely popular (laughs) (laughs) so i think probably basket case is the most well-known of them and they're all they're all great they all deserve to be seen but i agree it is it, it doesn't feel overused i think that they do a great job not of distinguishing themselves from this as well right it's very different from those movies but it just uh, it's it's definitely like paying homage to the ones that came before in a way that's that I uh, that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. But doing its own thing, absolutely, absolutely. Even though it's always in a creepy Victorian house, like every time, <laughs> every time it. it's it's always one of those creepy houses. Well, that's how he tricks you, man. That's how he makes you think it's going to be a ghost. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. You think it's going to be a classic James Wan? Classic James Wan. A James Wan one. <laughs> That's the new. That's the new uh, Spike Lee joint. <laughs> it's the, a James Wan one. <laughs> so the movie did the simultaneous release of streaming and theaters. That was the hallmark of the mm. COVID era release. Yes, uh, it did lead to a thirty-five million dollar box office against a forty million dollar budget. Wow. So it did lose money. 
And Juan discussed being disappointed, uh, especially since he had Malignant, Mortal Kombat, and Spiral from the Book of Saw all got slammed that way. So, 2021, rough year for James Wan in terms of uh, things that he made getting the the proper proper reception. But he was like, I get it. That doesn't stop it from being a bummer, right. you know, which I understand as well. <laughs> Does the like them because obviously they get paid for it to go on a streaming service. Does that factor into like the box office number that's reported, or is that no, just ticket doesn't. sales? It, that's it's just ticket sales because it's a whole new contract. Okay, usually, it might be incorporated into that contract, but usually they're like you're getting compensated primarily for ticket sales, especially mm-hmm. if you have like back end points or whatever. And then you get like a flat fee or whatever for, uh, or paid cents on the dollar for, right. for streams. So that's know. wild. Yeah. That they lost money because this is a great like theater movie. You know, yeah. But I, I guess theaters were still, was that Nicole Kimmon commercial out yet at this before this? <laughs> I don't one? know if that was out. I, this came out after Mortal Kombat. And I remember that that was one of the first movies after I got my vaccine that I went to theaters and did see it in theaters. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Spiral in theaters, too. That movie kind of sucked. <laughs> James Wan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not a fan of that one. Mortal Kombat uh, rolled, though. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I thought it was, I'm especially now that they've set up the tournament. I, mm-hmm. I, I understood the complaint that was like, how can you have a Mortal Kombat movie without the Mortal Kombat Mortal tournament? Mortal Kombat, yeah. yeah. Kind of the whole thing. And that's an understandable complaint. I get it. We but hear you. I hear you, listener. Do not write in. I get it already. Yeah. But I like I had fun watching it. They yeah. set it up for the second one. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of nostalgic. It checked a lot of nostalgic boxes for me. Yeah. Now, Scorpion says get over here. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. What else you need? Yeah. I will say I wish. Well, you know, it's tough. I was going to say I wish that it wasn't like an OC like a like a original character kind of that someone they had made just for the movie i wish it had been following like just johnny cage or something right yeah that's true i'm like who is this guy like that's what i kept thinking the whole time but yeah you're right <laughs> yeah but what are you gonna do what, what are you gonna, gonna do? do i will say in the year it was a lot of good video game adaptations for me because i also loved welcome to raccoon city the new resident evil movie so you know i don't think i've seen a resident evil movie wow so I, I in the in the lead up, even though they're not related, just for a lark, I watched all of the Resident Evil movies. Nice. And they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saved me some time then. Yeah. yeah. Um there's a really funny moment. I'm not I'm gonna spoil part of two here because it's I, an older movie. If you're gonna watch the Resident <laughs> Evil movies, you've seen them at this point. I'm just imagining a listener turning on this episode and being like, all right. Listening to the best little horse in Philly, uh, the malignant episode, then right after uh, Resident Evil 2 Apocalypse. (laughs) First of all, one of the villains has comically tiny villain glasses, which is a trope that I love. And they are truly comically tiny to the point of uselessness. (laughs) But also, I don't know. Have you played much of the Resident Evil games? Not in a long time. Do you know, know you know Nemesis, the like big evil zombie guy from three? Um, no. Okay. Well, there's a big <laughs> evil zombie guy from three, if you can believe it. Oh, you do believe it. I was trying to trying to remember. I can't look up a picture while I'm talking. Okay. And 
in two, they create Nemesis out of one of the friends from before. And you're like the the main character. I can't even remember. Alice is fighting. Oh, this guy. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, she's fighting Nemesis, and he like suddenly flips onto her side, and the Nemesis becomes the Friendesis, <laughs> and it just really made me laugh. It's I think it is the most the most straightforward, and thus correct like silly in the way that i like it to be silly yeah and not just pure in like it is pure incompetence but it's like not so outlandish that i'm like well you're just not even not even hitting it yeah Yeah. that was that was the sweet spot for me until this new one which i actually like i actually think the new one was good so hit the silly sweet spot yeah well it was interesting because it kind of understands that the games are also very silly and dumb Mm-hmm. And it's not; it doesn't shy away from those moments, but it also doesn't lean so far into it that the rest of the movie becomes just comical either. Right? Yeah, that's true. Video game adaptations are tough. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not an easy thing to do. Golden Eye is the gold standard. We all know this. And then was that? I think I think that's a reverse, my friend. I think that the game was an adaptation <laughs> of that. I don't I think you get to claim that. <laughs> heard it both ways. Wow. Wow, and he's he's dropping a psych reference <laughs> on us, folks. Uh, I'm going to say that I love Silent Hill as a great video game adaptation. Hmm. And uh, also, there's a great game slash movie combo called Detention. That's very good. Detention. Detention. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever played or seen that. That is a Taiwanese game, I believe, about like Chinese occupation. And it's hmm. very Silent Hill-esque. And it's really good, and I recommend it, both the game and the movie. Nice. Every, Everything's going to be shooting for second place after Super Mario comes out. I mean, let's just be oh, honest here. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. We cannot wait, dude. <laughs> I can't wait. Chris Bratt, my favorite. Oh, my God, yes. It's going to be awesome. Ugh. Let's get into the movie. <laughs> let's, yes. We start off with a video note from Dr. Florence Weaver warning about Gabriel's growing strength and maliciousness. I love that Chekhov's giant bladed trophy is back there from minute one. I I wrote down Chekhov's surgery trophy in my notes. It's great. You know how you get trophies for surgery? (laughs) You know about that? Everybody's getting trophies for surgeries these days. Everyone gets a participation surgery trophy. (laughs) All these millennial surgeons. In woke America. Mm. Yes, exactly. Now, the video is interrupted by news of Gabriel's escape and that he was drinking the electricity, controlling the machines. Ooh, fun, Mm. fun power for him to have. Yes. Dr. Weaver tranks him and we take in the gruesome aftermath. It's time for surgery, motherfucker. (laughs) You've been a bad, bad boy, she says. (laughs) It's weird that he can't control electricity. Is that ever really explained? So who cares? I know. It's just like, it's fun. It's cool yeah. and fun. Yeah. She, I, they, they, I was like in the research, they did discuss it where they were like, like Superman is just an organic being and he's born that way. Yeah. That's what it is with Gabriel. That's it. That works for me. It's just, I didn't know. I didn't know if I was missing anything. No. They, they said, no. Okay. no. It was funny when the other example that, I think it was Ingrid was talking about this, and the other example she gave was the Flash, and she was like, how is the Flash made? Nobody knows. 
was like, uh, I'm pretty sure that he was like in that explosion in the particle accelerator or whatever the fuck it was. No one knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> That made me laugh, but the Superman example stood in a way where I said, okay, I'm on board. Yes. I'm on board. Yep. And, I mean, this moment where she's like, you've been a bad, bad boy. If you're not already on board and understanding that this is going to be a fucking silly-ass movie. Right. What are you doing? Yeah, like, what are you- Grow up. What are you looking for? Like, Grow up and laugh. Yeah, come on. Come on. Just uh, let's let's get out of the diaper. Let's grow up. (laughs) Learn to laugh a little bit. That's right. That's right. We glimpse at Gabriel there squirming, but like through the translucent curtain, but just for a second. Yes. You see him get strapped in. That's right. He's strapped in. He's broadcasting his thoughts of killing them all over the radio. She says it's time to cut out the cancer. Mm. Wow. Wow. Pretty. You can't feel good to hear. No. To call him a cancer. It comes back a lot. Later in the movie. Yeah. But you do know early on that it is, in fact, a person, at least. So you see him get strapped in Mm -hmm. and everything, squirming. Yeah. So. We do get the cool credit scene. It's a fun drop. You see the surgery happen in flashes, as well as some reports where you get to read it. And it's in these early moments where it really feels like sisters to me. Mm Mm-hmm. But we cut to Madison Lake staggering up the stairs, very pregnant and distinctly not being helped by her husband, who is absorbed in some UFC. In the middle of the day. In the, in, <laughs> being, I mean, being a shitty husband to your pregnant wife. Okay. But like watching UFC <laughs> in the middle of the day. Come on. Unbelievable. <laughs> Where's the decorum here? <laughs> the baby has been giving her a hard time and her husband, Derek, is giving her an even harder one guilt tripping her about having miscarriages and then slamming her head into the wall after she pushes him away unbelievable yeah do you get that he's a bad guy yeah they they really sell him that this guy's a total sack of shit yeah um yeah it's it's what happens to him is very satisfying Mm -hmm. i say say it it's satisfying wow oh my god (laughs) he's canceled folks i'm gonna we got it (laughs) <laughs> we honey, we honey potted him. Walked right into that. Oh, that's the fault for that honey. It's that sweet honey every time. That Gabriel honey. <laughs> that Gabriel honey. It'll get you every time. Yep. So she locks him out and sinks to the floor. She's bleeding from the head. And that night, the porch light flickers while Madison mm. sleeps fitfully. Oh, I should also say there was like a big time jump. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know if they really communicate that. That might be like part of the reveal. So maybe I shouldn't have said that. But there was a big time jump. Yeah. Yeah. We, that's pretty, I think you're good. Yeah. yeah. Downstairs, her husband is woken up by some clattering in the blender. Then the TV turning on by themselves. And the light of the TV illuminates a spooky silhouette sitting there, mm. which vanishes with the light. And then emerges to stab the heck out of Derek. <laughs> crazy and it like slams his head against the wall or something like that mm-hmm. it just it, it, very scary just creepy seeing the 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 silhouette sitting there Ooh, very ring that looked great very ring <laughs> very ring and then uh seeing it right behind him and everything too oh man it just it, it hit it, it chills throughout mm. the whole time maddie wakes with a start pillow soaked in blood and still actively bleeding mm. terrible She goes downstairs, finds the body, and is pursued by this shadow being who breaks down the door and knocks her out. Mm -hmm. The police arrive and are baffled by what they've found, while Maddie goes to the hospital, joined by her sister, Sydney, who fills her in. 
She also discovers that she lost the baby again in the attack, which is genuinely very sad. Yeah, really sad. You really like feel for her. Like I said earlier, like the just terrible things keep happening to her. And yeah, and then this is just the icing on the terrible cake. She's despondent. Two days later, still basically catatonic. Uh, Detectives Kakoa and Regina question Sydney. She doesn't know much because Derek kept them apart. She didn't even know about the other miscarriages. Mm. And the police are eyeballing Maddie as a main suspect because the motive is he was an abusive piece of shit. Right. (laughs) No forced entry to the house. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to. Yeah. But, you know, you don't make the immediate jump to like the the parasitic twin, you know, controlling the minds. It's yeah, weirdly, <laughs> weirdly, they didn't jump right to that. It was, I don't know. What are we paying these guys for? I don't know. Seeing this movie now, that's what I use. That's, I've been jumping to that conclusion a lot. Just it's always my go to. <laughs> that person's got a parasitic twin. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Every time someone's an asshole to me, I'm like, oh, it's because they've got a Gabriel on their head. They got a Gabriel. Fuck. <laughs> Control your Gabriel. <laughs> Two weeks later, Maddie returns home. I love the like nighttime exteriors with a buttload of fog. It just mm-hmm. looks great. It does. Very gothic. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's a creepy void figure standing underneath a flickering streetlight. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Super scary. That's Matt- where it like it takes it, it it hits that different. It's not gory. It's just like it's that that that's eerie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's just I it, think you it, nailed it. Spooky, maybe. I don't know. Sure. Whatever. Maddie locks the doors and closes the drapes, but she isn't quick enough. One of the doors is open and blowing in the dang breeze. And noises start up in the house, and the camera spins as the door opens once again. Maddie runs. We get this really awesome sequence with, like, a cutout roof, but the Mm -hmm. whole walls are visible. It kind of looks like a floor plan on a blueprint. Really neat stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, like they removed the roof. Yeah, it was that was really cool. I love that shot. She locks herself in the room and waits it out, barricading the house the next day. We see Maddie staring at the cracked wall where her head hit and her shadow cast on the wall is an ominous portent. And of course, it's really great going back to it and realizing that this is her in like this is her thinking that or like losing time. Basically, Mm -hmm. like she thinks that she's just sitting there in the jail cell later when Gabriel is taking over her body. And here we see the beginnings of that. that right. He is starting to like test her, how, how, what he can make her do and make her see and everything. It's cool. It, uh, it just seems normal, like despondent Catatonia in the first watch through because she's been going through some horrible shit. But, you know, and on the second watch, you know, you get these, these other things that build up. And that's something I picked up more on the second watch too, just like the, the kind of time jump element of it that wasn't really as present to me on the first watch i think so Mm, mm -hmm. which was rewarding definitely a woman gives a tour in the seattle underground with mentions of the spirits still in them it's nice and ironic lead into her getting freaking snatched by the shadow being Mm, what a dedicated tour guy too like i'm just like get the fuck out of there like you know just (laughs) you turn the lights off you hear a clank i'm running out of that underground to like tunnel tour no the tunnels you. that go on for miles i mean like get the fuck out of there what are you doing absolutely 
She gets strung up, and Gabriel speaks through the radio. Mm. We get this "Where is my mind?" sting, oh. which plays a lot. Very fun, okay. very funny. It's like perfectly on the nose. I like it a lot. I love it. I love that song. I love this cover, and I love that it came up so many times in the movie. <laughs> it was great. And Gabriel says, "Time to call Doctor Weaver." <laughs> he's got some good lines. He's got, he's got, some, some he's got a really good radio voice. I'll give him that. That's true. Where's the Gabriel podcast? That's what I'm saying. Come on. Gabriel hosting a malignant rewatch podcast. When is wow. that happening? He's doing the scene by scene breakdown. <laughs> it's also interesting because, you know, uh, we talked about Videodrome on this podcast in which there's the concept of the new flesh. Uh, Marshall McLuhan living forever in the Videodrome mm. in that, uh, you know, theoretically, uh this there's so much of this so much of so much recordings of me mm-hmm. that somebody in a hundred years coming to it could get a general sense of who i am right and in that way i am alive to mm-hmm. them long live like the new flesh exactly mm-hmm. and uh, i'm thinking that gabriel could also talk about that a lot because he is communicating through not only psychic links but also technology yes he lives through that i think that would be a very interesting topic for him that would be really cool i would listen to that shit i mean he could do a ted talk on that (laughs) there we go that's what we that's what he really needs yeah i think a ted talk that that is a podcast too i don't know perfect yeah they gotta (laughs) record it yeah done the doctor looks over her patient files, and Maddie has head pain as the radio and lights flicker before she has a very spooky, scary vision of the doctor being attacked. Great lead-in with the face in, face in the laundry machine. Uh, very intense trophy bludgeoning with a frantic score. Very just great scene. Great. Super, super creepy. And just the, the way they're able to blend. And I feel like they start he- slow with blending like her world and then like the, the, the doctor's living room. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Just vi- yeah. vi- visually very cool. And then you yeah, had just like scary, just very, it's just a scary scene. It, yeah. It, and you get that great, like wobble of reality as we get back to Maddie waking up. Yeah. It's just really cool visual flair. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what to believe at this point too. Cause this is like right when this is starting to happen or, Especially yeah. on first watch, you're like, what the fuck is going on? So She's also still bleeding from the fucking head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go see a fucking doctor, idiot. <laughs> yeah, come on, clean that up. What are you doing? The police investigate Dr. Weaver's crime scene. I like the melodrama happening in these scenes with like the Miss Lonely Hearts CSI person, the two gruff detectives. They're playing with stock characters mm-hmm. in these bit roles. I like it. I think it works for me. That was so funny when the, when the one forensic uh, detective was just said what was her what, what did she say to him uh kakoa was like we got to look for the other half and she's like oh aren't yeah we all aren't we all and then he just walks away and that was so funny to me it was totally unnecessary it didn't <laughs> need to be there but it worked and it was it was great I loved it, it works it works yeah. it's in that classic procedural vein you yes, know exactly it was like we were watching an episode of lucifer yes yes exactly <laughs> gotta start that lucifer podcast or <laughs> that even where the lucifans we heard about hell i guess i don't know i think so that's we can it all has to tie into we heard about now that's the brand <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we heard about brand there we go 
So it turns out that Dr. Weaver specialized in child reconstructive surgery, and they find a photo of a little girl taken out of the files. And Gabriel hones the trophy into a blade. Mm-hmm. Very funny how it has excellence written at the bottom there, which really made me laugh. Yes. That's Chekhov's surgery trophy we mentioned. Exactly. And Ingrid Bisou described this process saying, we knew we had to have an amazing weapon. It had to be something original. It had to be something crazy. That's where we both came in. My pitch was that it's a trophy that has to do with Weaver's performance in surgery. Then James started designing it, the actual design, the drawing with the handles. It's from Hermes. He has the wings. Mm. He's also part of healing. It all ties together to represent something medical, perverting the medical imagery into killer weapon, holding these two handles between his fingers, and then you have the blade coming out right at the top. For him, it's all part of his vengeance. It's all part of the plan. It's so beautifully coming together. Look, you could do a lot worse for a distinctive weapon. Yeah, you certainly could. I think it's very funny that he sharpens it more, too, because when I first <laughs> saw it, I'm like, it's a pretty sharp trophy. You know, Not he, enough. Probably could stab someone with it. And then he, he makes it sharper. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Oh, (laughs) nice. Very nice. The old Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. Yeah, the old stars. Wow. Wow. Great point. Great point. Thank you. Maddie tells Sydney how she saw the vision and watched that guy kill Dr. Weaver after they hear it mentioned on the news. The police station, when we finally go there, we see this set. Very, like, operatic. It's a great-looking mm-hmm. set. Ceramic tile floors. I, I think it looks great. And the detective asks for the photo to be aged up 30 years. Yes. Mm, 30 years. <laughs> Maybe make it 30. Make it 30. Uh, let's say 30 years. What was that guy's name, too? I can't remember. The the the, the cops had some cool names. I remember. Kakoa? Um, yeah, the Kakoa was cool. I think that that was um, Screwy-Doo. <laughs> Screwy-Doo. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Scrooby Doo, <laughs> relative of, of course, Sloppy Doo, who is Scooby Doo's uncle. That's right. Know. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. It is known. The ECT guy from the beginning is on the phone when the signs of Gabriel approaching kick in. This guy falls for every single trick. Ooh, the phone crackled. Let me go check this open window. And then the darkened closet. Of course his ass gets murdered. Of course. He, it's, it's like you, you're waiting for it. You're <laughs> waiting for it the entire... Like, again, there's... Why would there be a bunch of water to get out of that room? Like, he's yeah. just, you know... You don't feel sorry for him. That's when you don't feel sorry. Then you're just asking for it at this point. We do get a fun fake out as well with the ankles under the bed. And you're like, oh, they're going to fucking slash those yeah. puppies. <laughs> Those, those ankles are going bye-bye. Wow. And another cool scene, watching her have the vision, especially when Gabriel looks right at her. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that in this. Him mm-hmm. standing behind someone Whoa. and appearing out of nowhere. Whoa. It's, it's scary. Wild, wild stuff. Whoa. Wild stuff indeed. This is our first real look at the contortion needed for the role as well. It's fucking crazy watching him get stabbed from backwards positioning on top of him. Insane. Disgusting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sydney comforts Maddie and they go tell the cops. And suddenly, yeah, this is when they reveal that she has been a Sean Spencer in Mm -hmm. in the movies before or on TV. Crazy. Was jumping up and down, screaming when she said this. I couldn't Reeks called it. me. I just heard him hooting and hollering. Yeah. Was crying for a full minute before yeah. I could even start talking. <laughs> yeah. 
He's just screaming, do you see? Do you, do you see? see? It was like Manhunter. Yeah. The sister of the main character plays a psychic. Do you see? <laughs> Click. Click. You owe me, Gabriel. <laughs> I was very excited, though. I was to hear it because, I mean, yeah, the psych, psych tie-in. Fun tie-in. Yeah. After much pleading, the cops agree to go check out the crime scene, and they are shocked to find she was right, and the bod is very much mutilated. Yes. Much like the other one. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Mm, they're starting to put it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> the partner detective isn't impressed much by the sketch. Regina, she deems Gabriel to be sloth from the Goonies. Mm-hmm. But in the bathroom, the lights flicker again, and Maddie gets a call from Gabriel. He says, hey, I know your real name, and I'm going to get revenge on everyone who told you I wasn't real. <laughs> That's exactly what he sounds like. That's so good. That's so good. It's exactly what he sounds like. My name is Jigsaw, and I'd <laughs> like to play a game. It's called Gabriel. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> I love the scene, the bathroom scene. Another, yeah. another creepy transition to another room, as we've yeah. seen. Yeah. And there's some great framing with her facing away from the mirror. So it's Mm -hmm. like we're seeing Gabe, too, in the mirror. I like that a lot. And he gets her to say his name, despite not telling her what it is. So we're just just getting started. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good reveal. Reveal. I think that's the first time we hear Gabriel. He's named Gabriel. now. Yeah. Go tell Scroovy, dude. (laughs) Go tell Scroovy, dude. Tell him to age it up mm, 30 years. 30 years. And of course, it turns out the girl in the photo is Maddie, if you can believe it. Who would have thought? I mean, they have the same like hair, too. I mean, it's pretty obvious from looking at the photo. But. Pretty obvious. <laughs> but look, it's a good thing. Better safe than sorry. You have to age it up 30 years. 30 and now years. that they know it's her for sure, uh, or they, well, they know that the photo, photo is her. They think that the killer is her for sure, mm-hmm. since she was one of the patients. Maddie takes Sydney to see their mom, who's freaked out hearing the name Gabriel. And she plays a tape of Maddie's ninth birthday where none of her classmates came because she's a loser. <laughs> Total loser. I mean, like no one coming to your birthday party. Come on. Not one. Come on. You have to invent some friggin' little Gabriel to some hang fucking, out with. Some fucking parasitic twin hanging out with you. And parasitic twins. <laughs> twins. <laughs> Damn it. That's so good. <laughs> I love surgery trophies. Malignant on TV and parasitic twins. <laughs> the mom being when they mentioned Gabriel to the mom, I feel like her look, she that, that actress crushes it. it, it just that moment. Like she is terrified. She's of, fucked up, bro. Fucked she is up. fucked up about it, dude. Yeah, she is. Dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Dude, she's fucked up, dude. She's so fucked up about it, dude. Jason's fucking Gabriel fuck. <laughs> In the video, she has two fucked up interactions with Gabriel. Yes. First, he tells her that they're not her real family on the birthday. How dare he? Right. Then, at Christmas, when mom is pregnant with a bio daughter, the, um, uh, what the fuck is her name in it? Uh, Emily? Maddie? Em- yeah, or, yeah. Emily, yeah, her birth name yeah her birth name he like he calls her up and he says hey emily i'm gonna i'm gonna make you kill the baby (laughs) and it's so funny because like i mean first of all it's it's very well done and creepy to only hear the one side of it 100 percent, yeah 
but there's also the great juxtaposition of her being like on a toy phone with like flashing lights and like big googly eyes. Yeah, like how is that? Is that a landmine? What's going on there? <laughs> you want me to kill the baby? <laughs> the cow says moo. <laughs> the Gabriel says kill the baby. <laughs> It was very creepy. Just in the use of sometimes I feel like in in horror movies, they use like children being like creepy, like, you know, or ghostly, you know, and it it, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I feel like it really worked here with her just like talking, like just like talking about wanting to kill the baby and everything. Super, super terrifying on Christmas of all days. The creepy little fucker quotient was high. Definitely. 100%. Mom says that she created Gabriel to deal with whatever hurt her in the past, and they thought if they loved her enough, she could stop needing him. And I hope we weren't wrong. That's such a terrible, uh, like, wave to go about it, too. Yeah. Like, hey, maybe we, like, consult a professional. Like, Mm -hmm. no, just, we just thought we'd love you more. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll do it, idiot. And consider what he said about how they told her that he wasn't real. Right. So you're like, well, here they are again saying that he wasn't real. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the police station, Detective Kakoa Shaw discovers a bunch of USB drives in the files of Dr. Weaver with her little vlogs about the patient Emily May, which is the name that Gabriel has been calling Maddie. Yes. It also has a photo of the people that she worked with, including another doctor who lives in Seattle. The same doctor Maddie is now seeing in a murder vision. Mm. I love Gabriel stepping out from behind her. Ooh. That was, yeah. that was good shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, very cool. Detective K rushes to the apartment. He finds the grizzly remains, but twist. Gabriel's still there, motherfucker. What a twist. Oh, no. Get out of there, Kakoa. Get out of there, Kakoa. He attacks, but he's fended off by K. And he runs out the fire escape, leaping down in superhuman fashion. Mm-hmm. Kay pursues. There's a fun chase scene into the rubble of the Seattle underground where Gabe ambushes him on a carriage and escapes through the roof. Fun fight scene. Great. Fight. I mean, Kakoa is a Hawaiian name and it means warrior. And wow. I think that he displayed that in this scene, really going after not only going after this creepy monster, mm. you know, which who knows what the fuck's going on with him. Like he seems a little deranged, you know, just on first, first viewing of this guy, this Gabriel. Sure. So going after him first. And then like also through the, the creepy underground, what is it? The tunnels under, yeah. under yeah, Seattle, Seattle the, underground. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the, yeah. So that's that easy to do. Like, you know, breaking through brick and, and, and crawling through tunnels and everything like that to, to chase this guy, mm. you know, not an easy chase. So had, Hats off, Kakoa. <laughs> we salute you, Kakoa. We salute you. War- true warrior. <laughs> Kay tells Maddie about her connections to the doctors and asks her to see a hypnotherapist. She regresses to the hospital and re- remembers Gabriel following her to the new home where he causes trouble for her since nobody could see him. You get another creepy phone call, which, yeah, again, very funny, juxtaposed with the lights and goofy eyes, mm-hmm. but it becomes very real. When she grabs a knife and thinking she's cutting a slice of cake for mom, but Gabriel has glamored her into almost cutting the baby out of her. Mm, Jesus, yeah. Ah. The parent or the mom wakes up to see her standing over her with a knife. Mm. Wild. Very, very Halloween as well there. Very Halloween. 
Yeah, with the kitchen, the butcher knife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she freaks out both in the memory and in present day, getting brought back by the therapist with a full memory of Gabriel trying to get rid of Sydney, thanks to a little boop on the head. Little boop. The reason that Gabriel was trying to get rid of Sydney is because she would be a support system for Maddie. Mm-hmm. So there you go. He wanted to be needed. Yep. Exactly. And the killer is my Gabriel. Snap zoom. <laughs> oh, shit. What a reveal. Great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. The tied up woman at Gabe's base is now untied, having freed herself. And she takes a step, then plummets through the floor. Very funny. Turns out to be the attic of Maddie's house. Yes. Big LOL. Big. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Where is my mind comes in? Yes. Needle drop. Do you imagine being needle drop and person drop person needle and person drop? Yeah, that's a that's, that's a good tie in. Um, but just like being tied up like that and for how who knows how long finally freeing yourself. And then dropping through like two stories onto a, a fucking coffee table. Humiliating. Terrible. Yeah. In front of a bunch of people too. Like <laughs> you're like that's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like ten years later, she's gonna be like, they probably don't even think about that anymore. And you know, <laughs> like once a week, they're like, Do you remember when my fucking birth mother fell through <laughs> my roof? Oh my god, that, that was, was so crazy. Crazy, embarrassing. Still picking up pieces of that coffee table. (laughs) Over the where is my mind drop, they arrest Maddie's ass. Yes. In the attic, the police find the outfit and weapons, which, of course, are pretty implicating. (laughs) She's interrogated by the police, and in her rage, the lights explode. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. I I don't know what I was thinking earlier, questioning his electrical power. I wasn't really questioning it i just but but i I do think it's really cool it adds to a lot of the the overall creepy vibe like stuff like this and then the 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 flickering of the street lights when you see them coming into the house Mm. you know it's yeah yeah adds to that vibe yeah oh yeah and the phone rings and she just says he wants to talk to you and gabriel taunts the police ask her what she used to call me say reese the devil Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they track her adoption to the Simeon Research Facility. Funny that it's, I mean, it's not spelled like monkey, like right. like Simeon, but like they say it and it's Simeon Adoption Agency, which is, I don't know, that's funny. Or Simeon Research Facility. They say it a few times where you think it would be that, you know yeah. what I mean? Where we're supposed to make that leap. Yeah. She's a little monkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, all right, well, we'll make the, the leap into parasitic twins. <laughs> Giant ass looming building on the cliffs. Very imposing. It's a fun, fun little uh, set there. Mm-hmm. Sydney breaks in while Maddie is remanded to the holding cells. She finds a file describing how Maddie absorbed her twin in utero. And one of the videos is a vlog where Serena May, age 15, gives up her baby. And thanks to the power of the Kuleshov effect. We realize that the woman from the addict is, in fact, Serena May, Madison's birth mother. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What a reveal. Another re- Yet another reveal. That's right. Communicated filmically even before Detective Kakoa says it. Wow. How about that? Very cool. James and Wan, you did it, you son of a bitch. The sister, Sydney, the sister, great sister, too. 
breaking into this creepy hospital. Sure. You know, to go into the basement level mm. of it to get That's all these too much for me. Yeah, no. I'll I'm, go break into the hospital. Once you're like, you guys will also go into the basement. Ah. Um, check, please. Check, That's, please. That's me. Uh, I'll have what he's having, which is a speedy exit. <laughs> We're saying this to no one there. <laughs> Scrooby Doo is there, too. Scrooby Doo, of course, is there. The next tape is of Emily confessing that Gabriel makes her strong when she attacks for him. She has the strength of two people. I interpreted that two people bit my own. Yeah, that's that's my own little sauce on it. But <laughs> put a little English on it. Yeah, exactly. But she she gets made strong, and the doctor wakes Gabriel up, and we see him attached to her dang back, writhing in fury. It's a oh great image. I love it. I love Dude. it dearly. Well, the reveal, like I've said it before, and I'll say it right now again. Please say it again. It's so fucking good. It was, I remember, like I said, this is the one thing I did remember about this movie. One of the very few things uh, a year removed before I rewatched it. And it it's, it works so well again for mm-hmm. me. Like just seeing it, it is just, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's the, it, it's unsettling. My brain doesn't want to accept it. Yeah. And I also forgot because I I I, th- I remembered it just being a head poking out yeah, of the back of her head. There's a lot. I, yeah, it's a whole fucking body with the 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 limbs and everything. It's ugh, god. A whole dang Gabriel. <laughs> Imagine what kind of clothes are you buying? You know what I mean? Not not good looking ones. No, none. The doctor Weaver says that he's an extreme version of a teratoma, which is a, a tumor consisting of tissues, hair, teeth, muscles, and bone, and more specifically in this case, a parasitic twin, mm. not technically conjoined, but he feeds off her. And it's pretty scary as he freaks out in the video. Yeah. It's just like he seems like he's out of control. Yeah. And the fact that they're conjoined by uh, the brain, ah. too, so he can't ever, like, fully go, like, you know, like, wow. like there's nothing they can do. You know, they can do. It's just terrible. Yeah. The male doctor there says because they share the same brain, he can trick her and basically hijack the body. So it has been her all along or at least her body. And they've concluded that the best course of action is to cut him out. But since they're connected at the brain, they're just going to like push what they can't cut out into her skull. Disgusting. Felt like a real Homer Simpson approach (laughs) to it. (laughs) Hey, just like push it in. Yeah, just like cover it with newspaper, and then it <laughs> goes away. That was that was an unsettling image too. Just them pushing that into her skull and then closing. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a lot of like really uh, surgery Im- imagery throughout that yeah. can be. Gro- I'm sure gross to a lot of people. Yeah, my hot take is that the insides of the human body pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, pretty gross. Yeah, and a lot of stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Gross Blood. stuff, even. Blood? Mm, no, thank no, you. No, thank you. There's a moment in Synecdoche, New York. Is Sindoche? Yeah, exactly. Sindoche, New York. Philip Seymour Hoffman is trying to explain to his daughter about plumbing. And he's like, it's like your veins, how they carry blood around in your body. And the little daughter freaks out. And she's like, I don't want to have blood. <laughs> I was like, I feel you. I feel yeah. you, little girl. I don't want to have blood either. That shit's nasty. It's nasty. Just think it's all all up in there. Ugh. Disgusting. I won't have what she's having. No, thank you. Um, check, please. No, no bloody Mary for George. <laughs> yes, yeah, so mimosas. But also because I don't like tomato juice. No. It has nothing to do with the blood stuff. <laughs> I understand that it's just a name. Well, Bloody Mary, the urban legends saying that three times in the mirror. Wow. Bloody Mary, 
Bloody Mary. Don't do it. Don't. Beetlejuice. Oh, shit. That's probably fine. That's what we call a classic comedy subversion, folks. <laughs> People are laughing their dang butts off. I know it. Time. I know it. They're saying, George, don't get back to the movie. We want to hear more of this bullshit. <laughs> Do we prepare material? It feels that way. I'm. I know. I know. It feels like this is not off the cuff, but <laughs> I promise you, it is. In the holding cell, the other people have finished sizing up Maddie, and they find her lacking. So they start to harass and beat her up, mm. which is their mistake because she goes Gabe on their ass. Oh my god! So funny. The one lady screaming, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that was. That made me laugh so hard. The the when she's when she starts transforming into Gabriel. Yeah. Like, that's how I would react too. Yeah. What it's the very fuck honest. Is this? <laughs> Gabe tears through him, he shoves an arm through torso, he stomps faces, he's spinning uh, heads. The whole nine yards. Just super gory. And then all the people you know, I get killing those the the the, the people that were harassing you, sure. You know? Fine. Everybody, they all got to go. Everybody, you know, they all got to go. It's 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 nuts. And then the guard too. The guard, that's right. A lot of gore in this. A lot of. She needs those keys, bro. Needs the keys. She's got to get out of there. That's right. And they're off. Yep. Sydney warns Kay that Gabe was freed by the head smashing on the wall. Which, just one more reason not to be an abusive prick, fellas. You might Mm -hmm. release a Gabriel. Yeah, you might release a Gabriel. If you, <laughs> I don't got anything, Jeff. I see you hanging out in the back there. I'll, I'll, I'll work around to it. All right, all right, all right. He has to go though because they hear gunshots and Gabriel is rampaging, but not before grabbing his gear from an evidence locker. I love the one cop was like, "We need backup. Send the national fucking Looking guard." Hard. Yeah, he's good. This scene is great, and Kay almost gets through to Maddie, but Gabriel is kicking everyone's damn ass dancing around and snarling in kind of a fun, cute way mm-hmm. before making a break for the mother at the hospital. Gabriel kills the guards by fucking with the pacemaker, which explodes in his chest. That's oh, wild. I love wild. that. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. It's, it just I felt it. Mm. Not, you don't even have, I don't have a pacemaker, but it right. Just, ugh, God, yeah. Yeah. What are exploding? Gabriel should have like talked through it first. Oh, right, man. Come out of chest and be like, it's me, your heart. I'm going to explode in three, two, your heart explode. <laughs> so he attacks Sydney afterward, and mm-hmm. Gabriel says he was saving her for last. And she chose you over me. I should have killed you before you were born, except in the Gabriel voice. So it was more like she chose you over me. I should have killed you before you were born. There it is. There it is. Yeah, this is an intense, very intense scene. With uh, with with Sydney again, Sydney being a badass, mm. you know, getting is trying trying to go toe to toe with Gabriel to know. Sure, cool. Know. Look, you get you get cool ladies with that name. You got in this movie, Sydney Prescott from Scream. Yes. What do you need? That's right. So that's it. That's right. Mom pulls off her face mask. She asks for Gabe's forgiveness. She asks for Gabe's forgiveness. Yeah, that feels it was coming out coming off the tongue weird she asks for gabe's forgiveness she asks for gabe's forgiveness a vocal warm-up yeah i never should have gave you away <laughs> uh. like yeah you absolutely should have you yeah. know like that he was he's uh, some sort of monster you know it had to be dealt with and she was 15 right it was not an, a forced birth we'll say her mom was not helping yeah she had no so. support system yeah. so look 
raising a, a non a non monster would be tough mm-hmm. enough, but uh, mm-hmm. a, a baby and some monster like creature. I don't know. There's no handbook for that. There's you know no handbook for when your baby drinks electricity. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? What, are you oh, going to breastfeed electricity? Find the fucking YouTube video for that guy. Yeah. yeah. Come on. K gets a few shots off. Blah, blah, blah. Shoots at Gabriel. But Sydney gets in the way to stop him from killing Maddie in the process, which results in him getting stabbed big time. Mm-hmm. Sydney continues calling Maddie her sister, mm-hmm. infuriating Gabe. But she gets through to Maddie, not only with that, but also with the reveal that he was eating her babies to rebuild himself. Unbelievable. Stem cells, man. What can't they do? (laughs) They'll build a Gabriel right out from under your ass. Build a Gabriel. Keep a Gabriel strong. That's fucked up, though. That's another yet another fucked up reveal. Medical mm-hmm. reveal. They were really yeah. yeah she, they, you mentioned the creator or writer with a, a fascination with medical anomalies, and yeah, it really, really rings through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He kills Sydney and the mom, but then it's revealed that it was a vision that she caused him to see. Now I can do all the mind tricks. You can. <laughs> She locks him up in her brain. You don't get to control me ever again. It's over, Gabriel. I'm taking it all back. My mind, my body. James said, here is this woman who comes from a domestic abuse home. She is married to a horrible husband. And throughout her whole life, she's been oppressed by this thing, this guy that's inside of her head. And here is this woman that's trying to claim back what is hers. We're a bit on the nose there to have her say, it's my body. I want to take it back. But that was something that was very important for all of us behind the scenes. So that was another thing that was very important for us to pull off. And I think they got it. You know, it's not really that on the nose until that moment. It's the dismount. It works for me. Yeah, I don't think it's too. It's not too on the nose for me in terms of that. But I and I like it. I, I'm you, You're rooting for her the mm-hmm. whole time. Like you want her to win. Like she's had such a terrible life up until this point. Everything has gone wrong and badly for her. Mm-hmm. But you want something to go well and you want her to win against Gabriel. Of course. Who wouldn't you want some sort of monster? No. I'm not. I wanted her to win, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you levy that accusation <laughs> to me. It was the royal you, like the but yes, I, I was thinking that. So thank you well, for saying I don't recognize the monarchy. <laughs> well that's right. Yes. You're you're <laughs> anti royals famously but no, this uh, I liked it. I just it it was a little a little. This was like the weakest part of the movie to me. I really I, I really like this movie a lot, but just the fa- it, it kind of boiled down to like, hey, just concentrate really hard, mm. and he'll go away. Mm. Like that's kind of what it, it it read to me as. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a little. It, it wasn't it, it it wasn't as great to me as the and it, it, I feel like I'm nitpicking here, but because uh, it still worked overall. But yeah. Well, it does also kind of become the most like directly transferable onto a theme when he's like, you can't lock me in here forever. I'll get out. And she right. says, I know. But next time I'll be ready for ready you. For you. Yeah. Like, oh, well, if it's grief, like so many of these movies are or if mm-hmm. it's trauma or whatever bubbling to the surface, like you, it, it is it is a little like direct there. But yeah, I yeah. mean, whatever. It's like two lines at the very, very end. Right. That's why it didn't really matter, because I forgot yeah. about that. Like when I. On the first watch, like I didn't, I didn't remember that happened. So I just paid closer attention to it, I guess, this time. But mm. again, that's not worth really anything in the scope of the movie. Yeah. So it's really get- the Hulk 
you can draw a parallel to that. Like so get, true. Getting, she is a bit of a Hulk, isn't she? Bit of a Hulk, getting the Hulk under control, putting the Hulk in a cage. Wow. So she could be a scientist or whatever. That sounds right. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Nobody Good. puts Hulky in a corner. <laughs> That's right. They say that too at the end, which is like it I, was I, strange. That line was out of place as well to me. Like those two <laughs> things that stood out as well for yeah. sure. <laughs> You get this great surreal jail cell zoom out, and he retreats into her skull in real life, and she tosses away his coat. She's back and learned the lesson that she'll always be her sister, blood or not, mm. which it was like kind of funny and fucked up that this whole movie, she's like, you're not good enough. I need a biological connection with somebody. <laughs> and Sydney's like, okay, I'll help you. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'll risk my life several times to help. <laughs> Our blood's not the same. Gives yeah. They hug in the wreckage. It is also funny to me that the bio mom is like lying there watching awkwardly at the end. <laughs> She's just there. Yeah. She doesn't know these people, too. Like, yeah. this is. They don't yeah. talk to her at all. At all. I don't think that they exchange any words. That's true. She almost didn't need to be in the movie, too. But, like, that's. Uh, I, I no, think, no, no, no. Don't go down that road. I think it's. I, I do think it's. Uh, it is funny that it all happens in her hospital room. Yeah, exactly. And you get the electrical noise of Gabriel right before the credits. But I was wondering, like, what do you think the legal ramifications of this are for her? Like, are the cops going to accept the demon who retreated into my head killed right. all those cops? There's no proof of. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is proof of like, but those videos showing uh, the old. Uh, the but does that stand up in court? And then who? Like, oh, they just say, I guess nobody pays the price for this. Like, no. <laughs> right, all these gruesome murders. Like, the, yeah. yeah, that's a well, that's a great question. I like to see a. Uh, I'd like to see a sequel. Yes, a legal was, thriller one. It's yes. entirely in the court system. That'd be great. She Hulk is in play. It's just like Law and Order, where like the first half is like the crime. Gong, gong. The second half, exactly. These are their stories. Um, <laughs> and the second half is all in the courtroom, like yeah. hammering all of it out. I'd love to see that. That'd be cool as hell. But maybe Malignant Part Two, Malignant Podcast. Didn't we talk about that earlier? Yeah. Yes. Hosted by Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel could talk about that. <laughs> he has to know. He had to be there. It all works together very well. It, it, it's a fun little ending. Great little dismount. Tight movie. It's not. It's under two hours. Yep. Gotta love that. And now, Riggs, we have reached the part of the episode where we mm -hmm. sum up why it's not just a good horror movie, but is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. And I'm going to let you start. Wow. Yeah. And you're welcome to do it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. The reason this is the best horror movie ever made. Look, I came on last year and I just got, I mean, what did I discuss? Ernest Scared Stupid. And Doesn't even remember it. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know, like, that was a, a funny... Great movie, don't get me wrong, but this is an actual horror movie. Mm. That's not. Let's not. Let's not get it. Uh, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted here. But no, it's, there's so much going on in this movie. There's so many different like the the family angle, her being adopted, and you know, looking for that blood bond, mm. and you know, the the emotional angle there, and then, but just also so many different horror elements work here. The gore. Just like I said, I know I've, I, I'm struggling for other words to describe it, but like the overall just creepy vibe and the spookiness and mm. all all of it really worked throughout the movie. And it d never felt overdone or dull throughout. I don't think there was a dull moment in the entire movie. I just kept watching and waiting to see what happens next. Even on second watch, I'm like, oh, this shit's cool. All oh, this this scene is great. Oh, Koa's running through the 
the tunnels to, uh. to, to chase Gabriel. This is amazing. Oh my God, there's Gabriel. I'm freaking out. This is the grossest <laughs> shit I've ever seen again. So I had all those reactions again. I mean, it's, it, it, it's fantastic. It was, it, it's refreshing to see original IP in the horror verse. That's always great. And to and it's such an original idea like this, like I said, I've never seen anything, a parasitic twin represented in film or TV or TV before. So seeing something like this executed so well really was overall home run for me, which makes it the best horror movie ever made. Wow. I totally agree. To me, this is the best horror movie ever made because it is, first of all, just very interesting as like a meta leveraging of James Wan's filmography to like make you think you know what the movie's going to be mm-hmm. and then completely turning it on its head. So even from a 3000 foot like view, this movie is fascinating to start with. But then the actual movie itself is just so great. Mm-hmm. Like I love having this like Gabriel ego representative that just bursts out of the back of her skull and <laughs> takes revenge on on these doctors. It's paying homage to so many great movies that I love and putting them all into that genre blender that he was talking about. And what comes out is a beautiful, delicious slurry. <laughs> the dang hoot. It's a dang hoot. It's the color of blood. So I understand if this slurry doesn't look appealing to you, but you got to drink it down, baby, because it's delicious. And it, it, the I shouldn't even say that because the movie itself does look good. So I don't want to get my metaphor uh, mixed up here. And uh, it just looks good. It's it's written well. It's fun. It's funny. Gabriel is an icon. Mm-hmm. He's a new horror icon. Instant classic uh, horror villain. Yeah. You know, I want to see more of him. That's why I've been growing out my hair is so I can look like Gabriel. That's right. Yes. I've also been wearing it in front of my face. So, like, like Gabriel. Doing a lot of like like the, the bone surgery that you're participating mm. into is I, I it's oh, you noticed. Yeah. I mean, your arms are real short, man. Like well, <laughs> well <laughs> I wasn't fishing, but I like what I caught. <laughs> it's frightening. I mean, you're going for the Gabriel look, which is which is it's, it's on point. So <laughs> yeah, just, that was cool. the electric noise happening. It's kind of flailing there. Yeah, it's great. It's just really great. A lot of great central performances, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel overwrought at any point either. I also think that it doesn't feel like the scope of the movie gets out of hand either. It's a very tight story, very focused. It's contained. Yeah, well, yeah. for sure. It's you don't really go to too many different places and yeah. it's there's a pretty clear through line once you yeah. watch it all folks it's just a very fun way to spend mm-hmm. less than two hours so it's the best horror movie ever made wow what more could you possibly ask for than gabriel yeah. fucking gabriel fucking gabriel. upcoming podcast he's great yeah he's great real great real Performances were really good. So one of the last, the last thing I want to say on it is the. She, nope, sorry, too late. Yeah, I had to say it. Ugh, damn it, fuck. I knew I should get in there. What was her name? That's the lead actress in Annabelle. Annabelle uh, something. Annabelle yeah. the doll. Annabelle played by Annabelle the doll. She, and, oh yeah, it was Annabelle the doll. Yeah, that's. I'm glad she's getting <laughs> work still. That's great. Annabelle oh, Wallace. Wallace. Yes, she was great. She was great. She, she was, was great. great. Yep, I agree. Best horror movie ever made. Riggs, 
I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. It is always a pleasure to chop it up with you. Great time, as always. Absolutely. Please tell the folks where they can find you, all the projects you want to plug, all that jazz. Oh, thank yes. Um, George, thank you for having me again. It's great to be back in the little little whorehouse in Philly. Um, had a great time. And yes, anybody could find me on Twitter, Twitch at Regs815. And then also listen to this is Plutember. So you have to listen to we're, we're celebrating Plutember all month long, both on on this show on the best little whorehouse in Philly, and then on we heard about Pluto, the show I host with George about Psych, Psych Rewatch podcast. So that's right, Host Prime, Host Prime on. We heard about Pluto with George and our and our pal JP. So that comes out uh, biweekly, and we just do it's a it's an episode rewatch podcast that we do on uh, on Psych. So absolutely, check that out. A and, lot of fun. Um, you, you also yeah do some streaming on Twitch. That's also a lot of fun. People can check that out. Yes, I do. I do uh, another podcast with one of my buddies. It's kind of on a hiatus right now. It's called Jargon Boys. You can listen to that. I do some streaming on Twitch where I'll play uh, play some old N64 games and do some drinking. So always follow me there. But yeah, that's about it. Hell yeah. It's also mentioning that we heard about Pluto is biweekly is a great segue into a reminder. Mm. If you didn't hear the announcement on... Boy, I don't even remember which episode it was. Probably the Mad Apodaca episode, I think, about Barbarian. Great up. Thank you. I think that uh, I think that's the episode that it's on. But the best little horror house in Philly is going bi-weekly as well, starting in the new year. I think it will be beneficial to the show mm-hmm. and to my own sanity. <laughs> yeah, so it'll give you a little bit of a break. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that, and you should look forward to that as well. And, of course, that will mean all of my extra time gets to go into stuff that i'll do for the patreon right and so if you want to see all of the great great bonus content that's getting put out over there it's just a couple bucks a month and you get great episodes like we just did basket case three with taylor moore came back after talking about kill list look we talked about basket case a ton on this app and of course there is a great basket case episode on the main feed check that out and then when you're done pay five measly dollars and you get to listen to me and taylor moore talk about some of basket case two and then all of basket case three damn what a bargain <laughs> i'll have to pay us five measly dollars for that Just, that's right that's right Reeks. you heard correctly wow <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a five dollar bill right now and it is so measly I wow want to get rid of it for less than the price of a cup of coffee you could have a whole month of my beautiful voice, my beautiful Gabriel voice in your ears. The Gabriel voice. You're going to subscribe to Gabriel's fucking podcast, but you're not going to jump on the Patreon? <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. Fucked up. Get your priorities straight. Get your priorities straight. And if you don't want to pay any money, because, look, it's the holidays, money is just tight. I get that. If you want to do something nice for me that doesn't involve spending any money, you could rate and review the show. Help fight that dreaded algorithm. Now that Twitter is exploding and it's very hard to promote the show on there, we need all the help we can get. Give us those ratings and reviews and do all that stuff for We Heard About Pluto as well. That's right. Five stars. If, if you do it for We Heard About Pluto, you'll even get your review read. I don't do that shit. So. Right. I'll read the review and then we'll that's, talk about it. That's right. That's where the real money's at. That's right. All right. That's it. <laughs> very long fumbling outro here. 
Hit a lot of points. You hit a lot of points. I hit a lot of points. I hit a lot of points. Thanks again, Regs. Thanks, George. Bye, everyone.